Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Phantoms of the Silver Screen podcast. The podcast that just can't get enough of Archive 81. That's why today's episode is the recap of Episode 7, The Ferryman, Archive 81, Season 1. I am one of your hosts, Rip, and as always, I am joined by the magnificent... Jumbi. It is me, Jumbi. <laughs> I want to take this moment to, you know, after watching this episode, we got a very special sponsor, and that sponsor is Adoption. All right? It's always on the table. Adopting a kid is a good thing. Maybe consider that, and don't do a demon cult. <laughs> to get pregnant <laughs> just throwing that out there yes before we even review the episode <laughs> just say it that got real real quick it did it did get real real quick yes um much I have like so many <laughs> new theories <laughs> much like the beginning of every episode of archive 81 we're mm-hmm. gonna take what jumpy just said and we're gonna come back to it later let's see what jumpy said and how does that tie back into <laughs> everything <laughs> we're gonna talk about you're gonna see adoption is gonna tie it it's gonna solve all the problems in this episode trust me oh <laughs> uh, yeah what do you think i thought it was a great episode well no it was it was fantastic it, it gave us so many little answers that i needed and created new questions Episode seven. It's the the what the the penultimate episode. The penultimate. I gotta say. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. It's the penultimate episode. the The last episodes felt like the, to me, felt like a traditional penultimate episode. Last episode, and this one just feels like, I don't know, extra good stuff. Like it, here's some plot, like some here's some of the things that fill in the blanks for you. Yeah, it, I just it, got all my little answers. Like it's crazy. <laughs> it's building, like it's building you to the finale. Everything was just building to the finale, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, and you knew that they're gonna just drop some kind of bomb on you. Mm-hmm. Ah, this it's so good. I'm gonna be sad when we don't have this show. <laughs> and it's it's crazy because when you introduced this show, Rip, I knew nothing about it, and now it's like my favorite. <laughs> I, you shouldn't call a show your favorite until you see the ending, That's Game true. of Thrones. But <laughs> this show is so good. I can't believe it's going to end badly. I just won't believe it. Uh, I, you know what? I I've enjoyed this ride so much mm-hmm. that even if it doesn't, end, I they ugh, let me not say anything because I was like, even if it doesn't end spectacularly, I'll still be fine with it. And then they do some shit like. Like, yeah, like <laughs> right off on a boat into yeah. a tornado. Yeah. Dexter. Just throwing it out. So many shows have ended bad. <laughs> the show Dexter, um, which we could review. I mean, it's about a murderer. Nah. But that has like an infamous ending yes. that was really bad. And I don't know. I feel it's, if a show ends badly, do people care about spoilers? Because it's unanimous. Like everyone agrees it's bad, right? Yeah. So you could talk about it. I mean,. Technically, they brought it back, so it's not, you know. I, did, I didn't give it a chance. I didn't give it a chance. Did you? New no, Blood? I didn't. I didn't watch it. 
Maybe we can get together and watch Dexter New Blood. Maybe not the old stuff, mm. but maybe we can watch the New Blood at one point. It's supposed to redo what they did. Like, mm. it's not like... Uh, Ooh, it retcons? Like it's it, not it a erases? Retcon. It doesn't erase. It's just a mm. continuation of where they left off, but it's like, that's not the ending. You know what I mean? Like, him... Oh, whatever. Spoilers for Dexter from 10 years ago. <laughs> him... At the end, with a beard sitting down, looking like a lumberjack in the middle of nowhere, it continues yeah. on from there. Ten years even, later. Even if that's a spoiler for you, I mean, you don't know how he got there. Come on. It's not—it's barely a spoiler. <laughs> He's a lumberjack in the woods. Any amount of things could have happened to lead there. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, maybe we'll do new blood. <laughs> it's good. One day. We have a laundry list of shows, so we'll get to it eventually. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget movies. We also have movies to do. One day we'll put a movie up. Yes. <laughs> and if you're hearing this in the future and we still haven't put a movie up, we're sorry. <laughs> we try our best. It's not like these TV shows are not feature length. Most of them are like an hour long. But Yeah, it's true. Anyway. Let's get into um, this. What? Yeah. As always, Archive 81, it's, uh, I hope they don't break this tradition. If there's a season two, I don't know if there's a season two. Um, Ar- Ar- Archive 82. Ooh. In the works. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That'd um, be sick. The, the beginning is always some r- seemingly random thing that uh, connects to the show later on. This one didn't quite do that it just connects right away it's easy to like uh it answers a qu- uh a question right like and it it gives you an old scientific scientific uh esque um documentary about the comic quran right and the I've comic quran was discovered in 1784 yes by the man himself, the ultimate virgin, Sir Isaac Newton. <laughs> and if you didn't know, he died a virgin. It was pretty spectacular he didn't... for a man in his time. <laughs> for a man of his time. He didn't pass on those those um, those genius genes, unfortunately. They barely knew about DNA at that point. but <laughs> uh, They did not pass. I wonder so... what happened. Why didn't he? Whatever. I'm not going to think about Isaac Newton right now, but he's always fascinated me. Why did he live the life he lived? He just did calculus all day. Who does that? I mean, one could argue that will keep your virginity intact. Yeah. (laughs) If you just really buckle down and sit and just do calculus nonstop. Well, he invented calculus, right? Yeah, he invented it, right, and then well, he just did on. it all the time. He he has no one to relate to, I guess, because he's like, "There's no girl out there that knows calculus." He can't relate to anybody. I I've I've been at the point where I've tried to solve a problem, like a physics problem that needed calculus, all that stuff. Where I looked at it, and I had the option of just walking away and moving on with my life, and it just I closed the door behind me, turned around, opened back up the door, sat back down, and tried to figure it out. I I, <laughs> I can understand. Fortunately right. for me, Isaac Newton did all the work for me, so I. So can... You don't have to die a virgin, <laughs> no. You don't have to do that because he did it for you. Yes. That's why I'm saying he's a god. He's, a, he's <laughs> the best. So, Kamehameha, 
it is named mm-hmm. after and i've learned that a lot of these things a lot of um the the symbolism and name importance comes from divine comedy we uh, we've talked about dante and virgil uh, dan dan and virgil being dante and virgil from the divine mm-hmm. comedy inferno um, very thinly veiled like symbolism it, it's kind of beat for beat so we get the the ferryman of hades is Charon, and the comet is named after that it carries the mm-hmm. souls of the dead across the river styx right interesting oh, yeah and this is coincidentally when everybody else decides to wake up this demon. So, yeah. from a quote-unquote different dimension, even though it's the comet they pray to is named after the ferryman <laughs> that picks up the souls and sends them to hell. So, The comet only comes every 70.6 years, by the way. Yeah. It's a and, long time to wait. And as Jumpy has said earlier... It's theorized to be half of one pair, and that other pair hit Earth and left a rare mineral called Karenite, as we've heard um, Cassandra talk about, right? Mm-hmm. It, they said that the necklace she wears is made of Karenite, and it's, um, yeah. It's a very rare substance, because presumably the totality of it crashed to earth mm-hmm. during that one, you know, incident. There's no more of it on earth. <sighs> and uh, the graphic they showed to represent it crashing to earth looks like a catas- like a cataclysmic event. Like mm-hmm. that a comet that large, they make it look like it's the size of a state, like it's going to destroy the earth. Yeah. So I don't know when it when it hit the earth, maybe it hit the earth like in the dinosaur times and Killed everything and then humans found it later. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe it caused the humans to evolve, right? Maybe. Who knows? But uh, from here, we cut to the intro. How how do you feel about the intro? And now that we're like in the penultimate episode, it makes a lot more sense now. I see like I see the comet, Quran in it. I see a lot of other imagery that makes a little bit more sense now. Yeah. They show the statue at one point. Yeah. All these little pieces, which seemingly look like random, you know, Rorschach, like ink blots before. Now they make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've i grown to like it. The, the sound, <laughs> the song is cool and I get what they're going for, but it does get kind of annoying. But yeah. it is uh, a lot of the music in this show <laughs> is very <laughs> rhythmic and annoying and <laughs> tedious over time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Dan wakes up. He as right. before we left Dan, he, he was got cuffed. Yes. cuffed in the face and knocked out. <laughs> yeah. He found the secret mansion room underneath the the building he was working at. The famous Voss Mansion room, um, where they held the sacrifice, and to bring out the demon, and, or to them it was a god. You know, tomato tomato. Right? It depends mm-hmm. how you look at it. Uh, Dan wakes up, 
and he remember he recalls getting hit in the back of the head so he's he wake he uh he gets out of bed looks in the mirror starts feeling the back of his head starts starts noticing nothing really there right he's just like he's looking he's feeling around for something but nothing yeah and no so, blood no evidence of getting knocked out and punched in the back of the head and he decides to smile or look at his teeth, and it's just filthy. It's black, like a parrot's teeth from the olden mm-hmm. days. If there his any, teeth If there are... are any pirates listening to this, I apologize. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess if you are a modern-day pirate... We don't care about your feelings because you're bad. <laughs> <laughs> you hurt people. But yeah, um, still listen to our show. Leave a rating if you want. Yeah. Um, he smiles. He smiles and he has what appears to be the mold yeah. from before all over his teeth. And it's disgusting. It's so disgusting that he starts to regurgitate and throw up. <laughs> and he throws up a bunch of molds inside of the sink. And then that's shocking. And it's shocking enough to wake him up because, bam, he wasn't a, actually awake. He was asleep the whole time. Yeah. So he wakes up again. Um, popular trope in this show is like a scary dream. And then he wakes up the the real time. This time for sure, guys. We're not going to do it three times in a row. That'd be too much. Yeah. So he wakes up for real in his apartment. He's searching around desperately for any evidence um in his bag but he finds nothing so whatever got him to his apartment again they made sure that he doesn't have any evidence or any tapes or anything from before that he could use to kind of prove his wackadoo story Mm -hmm. about the cult or about the occult Mm -hmm. so he goes to a neighbor he asks for a cup of sugar and a telephone because he needs to make a phone call and someone took his phone. So the neighbor's really nice and he does so. He makes a phone call and he schedules, I guess he schedules an appointment with <laughs> LMG. I guess so. Yeah. I, th- I would I, call Mark. Did they? I think they said the, your call can't get through or something. So he just said, fuck yeah. it and he, he, go, he goes to the, the building. And I think you're right. I think you're right. He does call and then they ignore him. So he just goes straight there. But, like, given that they saw him right away, it feels like he made an appointment. Yeah. I I think it was supposed to be, like, oh, we knew you were coming. (laughs) Yeah. So he, like, storms in the office room. He's like, where the fuck is Virgil Davenport? Kick his ass right now. Starts to pace around. And she's like, he's right this way. (laughs) And, bam, he's a rich guy. He projects himself onto a screen in the room to protect himself because he doesn't want to get beat up by Dan. Zoom meeting, baby. Mm-hmm. Way to relate to the modern times. <laughs> so, so then he starts talking to Virgil on the screen, and he's just like, what happened? Why am I in New York again? What happened to the whole, you know, Vizzer ad- adventure and stuff? Why am I here? And Virgil's just like, yeah, you did a bang up job over there. Real good. Thanks for your service. (laughs) We took care of you. And, you know, that's the end of that. And Dan's just like, no, okay, that's not 
that's not enough. Danny's getting really frustrated. I saw what your creepy brother was doing in those tapes. I saw your creepy occult, you know, murder room underneath the facility. And I was beaten up because I went down there. I saw a lot of shit that you need to explain. Yeah. Virgil's like, look, I'm being real nice here. <laughs> I paid you to do a job. You broke all my stuff on purpose. And you might not think that we have evidence of that, but we do. I put cameras everywhere. All right. I'm super smart. And I've been there a couple times. I could have just snuck more cameras that you weren't aware of in there, which I did. <laughs> So unless you want me to sue you for all the property damage you did, you should leave well enough alone. All right. I paid you money. I'm letting you keep that money. Now just walk away because I got what I needed. I have the digitized version of those tapes. Yes, they, he got paid. Dan finished the job. Don't don't let that dissuade you or say anything. He went in there and that tape that he saw was the last tape. And he that put is- it all together. He had he broke everything, but he digitized it and had sent it to uh, Virgil already. And I'm sure Virgil found a way to get the last one. So it's that it's that is way na- way nicer. Mm-hmm. That's way nicer than I thought Virgil was gonna be. Yeah, because he broke everything. He did everything he could to disobey what Virgil was trying to say. <laughs> he broke all his stuff. He broke into his rooms. He read all his shit. He investigated all the stuff. He said, "Don't investigate." And Virgil still paid him off. I mean, I don't know. If I was Virgil, I'd be like, no, you went crazy. Couldn't finish the deal. Contract void. What are you going to do about it? I have evidence of you breaking the law. Yep. It's pretty nice. I'm not super sour on Virgil until next episode when they reveal he's part of the occult. I'm still going to be like, maybe Virgil doesn't know. Yeah, I I hate that. I hate that I still trust him after all of this. I feel he like he just has this weird, like, I don't know. That's it makes me feel so crazy. That's... Like, he's obviously evil, right? Like, he's evil. We know it, but like, I don't believe it. I, I, we'll, we'll talk about it at the end, but I, I hate to say I think he's evil. Mm. I'm sorry, Virgil, if you're watching, I apologize. I didn't mean to. You're a nice actor. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the character. If he's, listening, oh, right. Yeah. Because he listens yeah. to Mark's podcast. I would hope he'd listen to us. Virgil <laughs> Virgil insinuates that Dan's had a little bit of a mental episode. Mm-hmm. And they took care of him. Yep. They got him home real quick. They wanted to d- detain him more because he was spouting some crazy nonsense about the occult. But he thought it'd be nicer if he woke up in his own bed. Yeah. So he did him a solid. What a he's nice being the guy. real. Yeah. He's being a real nice guy. And Dan's like, yeah, fuck you. That's not true. You knocked me out. You did all this other stuff to me to try and drive me crazy. And you have to give me some answers. And he's like, I don't know. All the evidence I have here from the hospital that we put you in to examine you supports what I'm saying. And the tapes that I have of you breaking my shit supports what I'm saying. So you're screwed. All right. Just walk away. We're done here. Mm-hmm. And Dan is like, he doesn't agree to it, but there's nothing left to be said. Virgil has outplayed him in this chess match. He's he's beaten. Yeah. So he says, take the money and then, you know, end of Zoom call. 
Dan walks away, but he's not happy. He's not satisfied. He walks out into the center of like the busy New York street and he just starts yelling, fuck, <laughs> which is like Standard. super common. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody even looks at him or bats an eye. They're like, yep, this is New York. Yep. We all love it here for some reason. Yeah. I was just going to look something up, but no. Nah, no, no it's all good. I can keep going because Dan, <laughs> Dan goes back to the apartment and he notices that the door is not locked or it's ajar. Ooh, so somebody's in there. Yes. So he's going in. Is it going to be Virgil? Is it going to be creepy groundskeeper Willis or whatever her name is? No, it is Mark, the world's best friend. So before we go on, mm-hmm. as Dan is cursing outside and the the camera kind of shows you an aerial view and kind of zooms out, uh, mm-hmm. you see the symbol, the symbol from the visor on the ground of where, by where uh, Dan is standing. For real? Yeah. So Virgil may not be the guy we think he is. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's obvious that that's true. I just there's something that sneaks that his like sneaky slimy charm just kind of like gets me. I don't I don't know how to describe it. I want to trust him, <laughs> and I can't because it's so obvious that he's bad. Yeah. His brother was bad. He's bad. <laughs> so Dan goes back to his apartment. He. There's a door. The door is ajar, and he Mm -hmm. walks in slowly. We all know what happened to Thomas Bellows. He died in an accident, quote unquote. Maybe this is Dan's turn. It could have been an assassin, but I already revealed (laughs) this is Mark. (laughs) Yes, it is Mark. So Mark is here. He has a projection machine in his hand. He's like, "Boy, I'm glad to see you alive, and I have some shit to show you." And Dan's like, what the fuck? It lets you a message. And then he's like, you mean the message to show up there? And then you told me to fuck off? <laughs> yeah, I got that message. It was real loud and clear, buddy. Thanks for that. And he's like, no, not that one. Even though I totally did that. I left you another message about Thomas Bellows and like the shit that happened with him. And Mark says it never went through. I didn't really get that. And I haven't really heard from you in a while. Wow. Yeah. So fortunately... Even though all the other evidence was taken, they forgot to search, I guess, his pockets or something. Somewhere he hid this SD card from Thomas Bellows. Yes. So Dan and Mark sit down and have a little movie session, and they watch the tapes from the SD card of Thomas Bellows. And it's stuff we've seen before. Thomas looking at the camera, talking to his fiance. But like losing his shit where he's like, there is a face in the videos. Fuck you, Patricia, the lady who recorded the soaps Mm -hmm. for putting this crazy evil imagery in here. What are you doing to me? I'm super mad. And Mark is like, well, that guy's a psycho. (laughs) And Dan's like, I'm not so sure. Because the face he's talking about, I've seen. And I feel like Dan says this extra calm to make sure that Mark doesn't think he's crazy. (laughs) 
Because usually when Dan's talking about this, he's like, I can't believe what I'm seeing. Come on. Like, he gets a little hyper. Yeah. Right now, he's extra cool and collected yeah, as I, he's talking to To me, he's still deciding whether he should give a shit or not. <laughs> but uh, this, and because Dan revealed that he's seen the face too, this prompts Mark to show him what he's discovered about mm-hmm. The uh, about who William Cress was and why, well, who he was researching and why he was researching. He was researching the Voss Society, and the Voss Society was run by the Voss family. Um, I believe Iris is the main one, then Jonah and Lucas. Yes, the first American Voss people, Voss Society people. Yeah, and they were into some occultist dark magic covenant weird shit <laughs> um he shows him a bunch of old photos he manages to get an old photo of the statue of caligo the evil entity that the Voss society worships he also gets some more information like caligo's name that he blurts out I as hate, he's showing this is yeah. one thing i hate in these types of horror movies when they worship it's a, it's a demon worshiping cult and they tell us the name because some yeah. of these places like like some of these um studios like to research actual demon cult, cult people and research the, the the demon that they're worshiping and like oh yeah and they just start spouting out the names and stuff and i'm like oh this just uh, it, it gives me goosebumps well, that'll be the last time I say the name. We're going to call him <laughs> Kellogg now. Okay. So they're worshiping the demon Kellogg. And <laughs> and yeah, so I, I also failed to mention that Mark has set up like a true detective crazy crime board yes. where it's just wall to wall with pictures of evidence from the events of the Voss Society in the 1920s. And he has super cool photos and he has pins with threads on them leading to other clues. Mark has done his homework. He's he's pretty much a private investigator. Even though he's just a podcaster. He's he's pretty good at his job. Mm-hmm. So they get all this shit on the Voss Society, he fills him in, and he says, Evelyn Crest, I'm sorry to tell you, she passed away mm-hmm. a little while ago, probably shortly after she sent you the first tape of the circle for you to restore and dan's a little bummed by that but he's like look i got another tape right here and it seems to be some illuminating stuff about the circle oh, and then we get classic movie within a movie or show within a show plane mm-hmm. to plane we get 1924 i don't know what they said new york yeah new york 1924 New York, and we're about to delve into that. But before we get there, mm-hmm. we also see a couple photos because something very important to note here. Um, we see a lot of photos that people took, and Mark is explaining look, these are old timey photos when things, when the, you know, photography was still kind of a new art back then. And people would take photos to try and see if they could see like a ghost behind them, like a loved one who died in one of the wars. Something like that. Um, and people thought it had a lot of power. It can capture spirits and demons and stuff like that. So he shows them a couple photos. And some of them are just little balls of light. It could easily just be refractions of light. 
But then he shows him one of this blonde woman with short hair. And she has a very, very vivid image behind her. A vivid, a vivid image of Kellogg himself. <laughs> so this picture has Kellogg in the background. And that's not even the most interesting part about the photo. Because Dan looks at the photo and he says, Yeah, I kind of see Kellogg back there. But also... This woman, I know her. This is the woman that Annabelle was painting. Yes. In her in her um in her paintings, in her artwork that she was using with the creepy with the creepy like cult mold. Yeah, that says that she's there and she wants to be let out. Mm-hmm. So that's very interesting. This must be whoever is trapped in there. Yeah. And that's when we start to venture back. To a different time, the 1924 version of New York City. Jazz music is playing because it's brand new and everyone loves jazz. And we are seeing a new member of high, uh, a new member of the downstairs of a well to do family. If you've seen Downton Abbey, this is a new member that we're following. I think her name's Anne or something. You know, the, the redhead girl from Ireland. Oh, Rose. Rose. Her name's Rose. My bad. <laughs> so we're following somebody, a new member of the working staff in this mansion, the 1924 um, Voss mansion named Rose. So Rose is there. She's getting to know the job and she's meeting her new boss, her new employer. So her new employer is super nice. Her name is Iris Voss. <laughs> <laughs> and she's clearly the lady that's stuck in the paintings of Annabelle. Yeah. But we're not even thinking about that because right now we're transported to 1924. Anyway, we're in 1924. Rose and Iris are talking. They get real intimate about things real quick. She's just like, you believe in God, lady? And, and well, Rose is like, I don't know. Iris is trying to interview her, right? She needs to be the lady of the house. So some pretty much mm-hmm. um, high society rich class uh iris is is trying to hire somebody to be her hire a woman to be her right hand woman somebody who mm-hmm. can take care of all that good stuff um the last woman f- ran off with another man so she has to find a new person something something about that didn't sit right with me but they just glossed it over and kept moving on and never went back to it so okay so the interview goes we learn about rose Rose is an orphan. When she she didn't have flights back then, they took a ship. So when they sailed over to America, uh, her family died from the typhoid fever, I believe. Yeah, typhoid fever. And her whole family, basically, yeah. just not her. And they all died. And so she's she feels alone. Iris, um, you know, comforts her. They go, like, oh, "You're not alone. Don't worry about it." And then. Uh, Iris opens up about her husband dying in the war and you know they they kind of have those intimate they, they have sharing war is a horrible time people lose their lives people lose uh, loved ones people lose family members it's unfortunate it sucks it is and one, one of the requirements that Rose that Iris is asking about is do you like 
babies, like they had kids. Yeah. Because I'm planning to have a kid despite my husband's recent death. Yeah. Um, so if you do like babies, that'd be good because I'm trying to have one right now. And Rose is obviously like, oh, it's weird because you don't have a husband right now. I don't know how it's going to work because we're in the 20s and that's impossible to do without a husband. Uh, but she doesn't really pry. She's just like, yeah, I do like kids. Um, and the interview is going pretty well. They're getting chummy. She inquires about this little music box on the corner because it's like really pretty and well painted. Rose is like, hey, what is this? And Iris is like, oh, it's a music box. It has a very old melody in it from you know the old country do you want to listen to it <laughs> they open it up and it has a music box version of the tune that we keep hearing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know like the same jingle that was in the chant the gregorian chant that everybody was doing downstairs in the visor it's the same thing you hear every time melody went into some creepy part of the visor mm-hmm and it was the same type of music that was in Tamara's, you know, performance art. Yeah. So that's creepy. Bad sign overall. I didn't see that Rose was like particularly disturbed by it or hurt by it. No, she didn't um, phase her. So I was kind of looking for that to indicate that she's like a good vessel or something. Or, yo, in all honesty, I think Melody is the only person we've seen that. Gets bothered by it. Did Jess get bothered by it? No. Everybody's all about it. (laughs) Melody's the only one who's like, that's not for me. Yeah, like there's something about it that I can't, that, that, you know, makes me feel bad. So, anyway. When Rose is talking about stuff, you know, her life. And what happened to her family? She's like, I wish I died with them. So at least I could be with them. And Iris is like, don't say that. You will see your family again. Don't worry about it. She says it with great confidence. And this seems to shake something in Rose. Um, Not the words she was saying, but the confidence that she would see her family again. Mm. I think that's when Rose got infatuated with Iris. Like She was kind of like, oh, I like this lady. I think that's when she started to suck her into her whole culty mindset. Yes, and then you know what the the slam dunk that that Iris did that got Rose hooked. What? When Iris is like, "I think you're capable of holding a whole world inside of you." And just if you haven't heard that, that is what Jess was talking about when mm-hmm. she was being interviewed by Melanie. Melody. She was like, hey, yep. um, do you think I'm capable of holding a whole world inside of me? That is not <laughs> that is not good because we can yep. uh, already see what's going to happen. So they end the interview. It went pretty well. Rose and Iris enter the main hallway because Iris's brothers... Lucas and Jonah have showed up and they are carrying this parasol, this package from the old country. And it took a long time to get. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of hesitant to open it because Rose is present. But Iris is like, no, don't worry about it. She nailed the interview. She's perfect. She's part of the family. Let's open this shit up. Mm -hmm. 
They open it, and surprising, no one. It is filled with the statue of Kellogg himself. And when Rose inquires about it, Iris just simply responds, it's everything we dreamed of. And they show it, they close up on it in a really slow close up. And it really makes me uncomfortable because I hate staring at Kellogg. (laughs) And then thankfully they end the scene there. So they cut to a bit later at night. We spent a lot of time in this flashback, by the way. It's like the majority of the episode. It is. So (laughs) we, it's at night now. Maybe a couple days have passed by. Who knows? But Iris is doing her nighttime routine. Rose is helping her out. And Iris is saying, "Um, pretty soon we're going to see a beautiful comet in the sky. And then she inquires if Rose knows what a comet is. Because that's a polite question. Not everybody's educated in that time Mm -hmm. about astrology. And Rose is like, nah, I've never heard of it. And she says, it's a beautiful celestial light in the sky. It's beautiful. It's like, you're going to love it. (laughs) So Rose learned about comets. Yeah. And Iris gives a little lesson on the comet that's coming nearby called the Kellogg Comet. You could say Quran. <laughs> yeah, the Quran Comet. I'm not Quran. That's the... <laughs> I'll stick with Kellogg. Okay. Because <laughs> I can't pronounce things. <laughs> Maybe for your safety. Yeah. Um, the Kellogg Comet. Mm-hmm. Yes, everything is... I'm going to get hungry by the end of this podcast. <laughs> the Captain Crunch Comet. <laughs> They're great. Yeah. Uh, Frosted, Frosted Flakes comment. We can go all day. Mm-hmm. So, they, I think it was time for a party, correct? Yeah. We are at, wrapping up this scene with the nighttime comment explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we go to this party, because they're getting ready for a big party, mm-hmm. Iris says that the coming of this Kellogg Comet indicates a thinning of the veil that separates the worlds. Uh-oh. And Rose is like, worlds? What do you mean worlds? And Iris just smiles at her, gives her a wink, and she's like, I'll tell you later, kid. Time to party. So they go out to the 1924 party. A bunch of guests, presumably members of the Voss Society. <laughs> predominantly white i just want to throw that out there I don't know <laughs> okay <laughs> it's the 1924 rich society in new york it's gonna be all white people oh you know who else is white <laughs> virgil davenport just oh my god that's true yeah, yeah connections so was samuel you know i didn't notice but you're right he is <laughs> So this high society 1924's rich people party is going on. It's going crazy. I don't see a lot of people dressed in anything that screams the 20s to me. It's like a lot of suits and stuff. It, it was but, a dinner party-esque. It wasn't like a, like a party party. Like a, mm-hmm. These are all just like they're there to have drinks and talk and mingle. So they're dressing and they're like to the nines. You know, they're... Their best suits, their best dresses, their best accessories to those outfits. All that good stuff. 
So the only person in this party that seems 20s to me is one lady that straps in like flapper attire. Um, I don't know if you know what that looks like, but it's like she has like a headband and this style of clothing that just screams the 20s to me. Her name's Emma Trilly. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Trilly? Yeah, Trilly. Emma Trilly. Yeah, you're right, Trilly. So Emma Trilly is there, and Iris is like, I don't know who you are. And she's like, I'm Emma Trilly. Duh. And they start to chat a little bit. Emma is really admiring the photos um, that are on the wall because they're the ghost photos we mentioned earlier of like her parents or other family members who took photos and there was like something in the background, yeah. possibly ghosts, and they have those hung up around all the mansions, yep. all the walls of the mansion. And they get the chatting and then Emily says, look, I am really into your society yeah. and I kind of want to be a big part of it. And it would mean a lot to me if I could be there for the return. And Iris gets serious and she's like, if that's what you want, it will be so. (laughs) And then she just walks off. And I was like, okay, this is getting wacky. Um, I didn't realize that you're just taking in random strangers, random party crashers into your secret society, but apparently that's all you had to do. Yeah, I mean... She just said that she knew Lucas or Jonah. Like, I forgot which one. But she's like, oh, didn't Jonah tell you I was going to be here? And then she's like, oh, yeah. She's like, oh, if it's if it's wrong, I'll leave. And then she's like, no, no, stay, stay. Stay. She's a good party crasher. Always make a connection. Somebody invited you. Don't you ask? Like, you want to ask them? And then if they do ask them, run. Yeah. Step. <laughs> but odds are they're not going to ask. So the party starts to escalate. Everyone's done with their cocktail hour. And they start to move into the next room for a little conversation. And a big reveal. So as they're moving into the next room, everyone grabs their drinks. But the help is no longer wanted. The help has to move to another room. This is for Voss Society only. Yes. Help goes elsewhere. Rose is not happy about it she wanted to kind of experience whatever was happening because she liked how iris was talking to her but there's this older um i want to say housekeeper yeah or like head of staff or whatever i feel like she's, she's the head of staff yeah the head of staff for the servants quarters or whatever you want to call it is like none of our business dear you can't go over there that's for the rich folk and she pulls her away and doesn't let her join the secret meeting in the secret meeting iris reveals that with painstaking effort on her brother lucas's part she they have finally done what their father has wanted them to do all this time and they've gotten the statue of kellogg yes and And she she reveals it to everyone yeah Mm -hmm. and most notably yeah like john b said she reveals to everybody but they are in the infamous famous all-knowing everybody knows this the Voss basement that everybody that we saw underneath the visor and then we saw in the compound that's where they are it's the same design same everything's the same mm-hmm. very very creepy yeah 
So everybody's huddled around eating up Iris's words. Iris says, let's begin some weird chanting shit. And she does start speaking in another language that's unbeknownst to anybody. And it's pretty much just praising Kellogg and saying how she wants to bring the two worlds together. I won't say what it is word for word in case it's a real evil <laughs> magic spell. <laughs> so she starts posing for photos and everyone starts doing that heavy breathing thing where it's like doing the chant, but they're going ah, ah, like they're doing that weird breathing thing. Mm -hmm. um, unbeknownst to the Voss Society, Rose is like taking a sneak peek. She's like on all fours on the ground, like peeking her head over the corner to look at this weird <laughs> cult stuff. Um, while Lucas takes snapshots of his sister Iris posing in a menacing way. <laughs> um, presumably these pictures are just to see if they capture any weird otherworldly supernatural ghosts around them because their society believes that if you take photos, photos can capture things that the human eye can't see. Yes. So they can capture like gods, angels, demons, whatever it is. So they're taking those photos and the party ends and we cut to later that night when Lucas is developing photos. And one of the photos he develops is the one we saw Mark showing Dan in the future. It's the one where she's there standing and behind her is the image of Kellogg clear as day right behind her. Oh, yeah. Scary stuff. That is creepy. He's there. And they're in the red room developing these paint, uh, pictures and they see it too. It's the first time they see this photo and they're ecstatic. He's in the house. He's with them. He's heard their their uh, their calling. And Their prayers. Yeah. And we mentioned that they hit the 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 tune, right? The tuner? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the tuning fork. I did, we didn't mention it, but part of their chant was to hit the tuning fork. Yeah. So everybody gets can get the rhythm, you know, like the <laughs> the tone of voice. Like, oh, okay, I gotta, I gotta hyperventilate in this. All right, I'm ready for the cult. <laughs> um. So we, so we cut to a little later after that, right? Yeah. Now we're, I think, Rose walks and she sees, um. Iris bleeding on the floor, sitting there in despair. Presumably a miscarriage. So this might have been some time later. Yeah, and she's in bed, depressed, and Rose is comforting her. I want to ask, mm -hmm. when did she get pregnant? Like, who impregnated her? Because it's like, I don't know what's going on here. Like, we didn't see any suitors around. So I didn't see her hooking up with anybody. We saw her talking to people at the party, but I believe it was mostly Lucas and Jonah, correct? Well, that's kind of what I was going to insinuate, even though it's disgusting. Um, I don't think she's, <laughs> I don't think they're trying anything. I, I mean, it might give a good reason why it doesn't work. I don't know. But I don't know. And it's also like these weird, just filthy rich people in that time period, they were intermarrying all the time. All right. Like cousins wasn't a weird thing for them. Yeah. So I wouldn't be too surprised, but it's, you know, 
neither here nor there. It doesn't matter to the story. I was just wondering about that. So we learned from the doctor and from Iris relaying what the doctor said. Um, if she tries to have another baby, she won't live. Like, she'll die. She can't really do this again. And she's really disappointed because she thought, you know, all-knowing, all-seeing Kellogg was going to help her with this problem and actually give her a baby this time. But, uh, and that's... He said no. Hmm? He said no. Yeah. He's like, no, why don't you adopt? <laughs> Plenty of nice babies out there. Yeah. Or adopt a puppy, you know? Mm-hmm. Or adopt me, Kellogg. <laughs> so Iris goes on to explain some stuff to Rose because Rose is like, you thought that that ritual would give you a baby? And she's like, yeah. Uh, Kellogg is all-knowing. He can grant eternity. He can grant healing. He can grant wealth. He can grant anything. Super cool, right? You can do whatever you want. Don't you want to be a part of that? And Rose is captivated by it. She's like, that sounds cool because it's not a god from this dimension because she's already stated that she doesn't really like religion because she can't think of a god that would let her family die. But this god is from a different dimension who's seemingly super cool and awesome and just nothing but good things because she doesn't know much about it. And she's like, that sounds really nice, Iris. That sounds great. I like how that sounds. And Iris responds to that happily and she gives Rose a nice big hug. And she's like, if I ever had a daughter, I wish it was a daughter like you. Aww. And then I'm like, why don't you adopt her? And then problem solved. You guys can go to church or something and do something else. <laughs> so she's hugging Rose. Very intimate scene. Um, definitely besties now. Nothing bad's going to happen to Rose. Yeah. Good for her. I'm proud of her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even though Rose is like a daughter to her now, we cut to the next scene where Rose <laughs> is on her hands and knees scrubbing the floors. So Rose is scrubbing where the miscarriage kind of happened and she's scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing and iris walks out and she's like what are you doing and rose is like there's this disgusting mold here with such a weird pattern that just won't get out it's seeped through the tile i don't know what to do i keep trying to clean it but it just won't go away and i was like stop what are you doing look look at it this is evidence and Iris sounds like a crazy person, but she's right, right? I mean, this is evidence um, of something otherworldly happening. Because we see mold going in these circular fashions. Even though mold does that anyway, but whatever. It's, it's magic. <laughs> There's mold growing in a circular fashion. And Iris picks up right away that this is not mold. This is the body and blood of Kellogg. This is proof. That what we were doing wasn't a big waste of time. Nope. It's beautiful. There's a connection here. So Rose is like, all right, lady, that's a little weird, but I'll roll with it. Yeah. So we cut to the night time. Rose is sleeping and she gets woken up by something. A lot of loud noises happening outside. Um, she wakes up coughing yeah. and checking her mouth for blood. Um, she's probably very paranoid about catching typhoid t fever based on her family history. Or, you know, um, catching something from the mold in the house that they refuse to clean up. Mm -hmm. She's probably hacking up 
you know, spores and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But anyway, she gets out of bed because she hears a lot of broken glass and weird noises probably breaking. She walks outside and she catches some hooded figure trifling around the library and she finds this book. And it looks like the book of the Bao Dung that Iris was kind of looking at earlier. So Rose confronts her and she's like, Hey lady, what are you doing? You're going to get me fired. Or you can't just steal stuff. This doesn't belong to you. And she turns around and it's revealed that this is Emily Trolley, the lady who was very, very into joining the Voss Society earlier. Yeah. So that that was a lie. <laughs> she was just trying to get close so she can steal this book. Um, instead of running away like she should have, Emma <laughs> Emma Trolley was like, "Look, just, Rose, what did these people tell you? Let me tell you." In this fucking scene, in this I mean, <laughs> she's on a clandestine mission to save the world, and you're gonna spend your time talking to the help. I mean, come on. I fucking agree, because every a lot a lot of people made some mistakes in this, and we were we're gonna go through after the scene. We're gonna go through. Who made the biggest mistake? It's Emily. <laughs> Emily Jumbie. I think correct. her name's Emily. Yeah, or Emma. Emma. Emma's job was to get the book away from the bosses to prevent it to return. But instead, and leave. <laughs> she she got the book, um, and it's not like she was subtle about it. She broke a fucking glass, got the book. She's she's get gets caught by Rose, and they have a conversation. Um, and she she's like, I need you to understand, Rose. What do they tell you about this book? All right, you don't know what they're up to. All right, I'm a Baodong, and like we tried to do this a long time ago, and it didn't work out. So please come with me, because they probably told you something crazy, right? They told you that a whole new world could be born inside you, didn't they? And Rose is like, oh shit, they did say that. <laughs> and she's like, come with me, because nothing bad, something bad's gonna happen to you. And also, I gotta get out of here because they can't do what they're trying to do without this book. One and two, my blood. So I really shouldn't be here. <laughs> and Emma is shocked that <laughs> the Voss fine the Voss family finally show up. <laughs> Iris turns on the light and she's like, Thank God. Hey, Baldrung. <laughs> like I was looking for you. And Emily's like, this doesn't belong to you. Oh, it belongs and... to you, you Baldung. Mm -hmm. like, Iris is like, you stupid Baldung threw it away like it was trash. All right. We keep it now. And in retrospect, throwing it away is probably pretty stupid. Yeah. Maybe destroy it somehow. I heard it can't burn, but you could bury it or something. <laughs> so... Drop some acid on it. It's not immune. Use the Wear it as armor if it can't be penetrated. <laughs> um, <laughs> just going around to World War One with just a fucking book tied to your chest. And <laughs> I don't understand. He just won't die. He <laughs> can't do it. Um, yes, yeah, so the Voss family show up and they have that. They have a little conversation. We know that Emma is about done. She's a witch. They try mm. to bring back. Um, uh, Kellogg over to this side, but they realize he'll only bring destruction and only destruction. 
Iris retorts, well, because you guys weren't faithful. And he's almost like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Trust us. We were faithful until we saw what he was going to do. And then we're like, okay, you can go back. And they seal them again. And now the Voss family are trying to do the same thing. And they have that little uh, uh, face-off. But uh, Jonah came in and pulls out a gun. Emma puts, a, like, I don't know. It looked like she had a... A lighter. Yeah, a lighter. Like, something from the, like... the fifth. Did they have lighters? I don't know. Unless she had, like, a candle in her pocket. and like, But she had a flame ready to go. She is a witch. Maybe she just lit her finger or something. Maybe. But uh, Jonah becomes scared that she might I'm, burn the book and shoots her. I'm checking the scene now. And you know what? She had a lighter. Maybe they had <laughs> lighters at that time. I, when was the lighter invented? She, you want to know, audience? Because we're going to figure that out right now. <laughs> 1823. All right. What? Yeah. Really? The lighter? Yes. So That's they wild. They definitely had it in the 20s. And you know what? They okay. smoked back then. So yeah, it checks yeah. out. It checks out. Okay. Um, they had lighters. So she had a lighter. And she... she Takes the lighter, puts it to the book, and Jonah's like, idiot, I have a gun. <laughs> and she shoots her. Like, Jonah shoots shoots her point blank. Like, then, no no living through this. And, and Iris, Iris is, is like, you idiot, Jonah. We need her alive. Also, the book doesn't burn, dumb boy. And Jonah's like, I'm sorry, I didn't know. Yeah, like, Whatever. he got depressed. Like, he, he curled up a little bit. He, like, he did wrong. And Lucas... Well, you never killed a woman before, I guess. <laughs> And Lucas uh, was there, and he just like just looking at everybody. Rose is shocked. Iris shows some concern. Did you get hurt? No. Okay. Go back. What did she tell you? Oh, what did she tell you? I don't remember. Okay. Well, which makes sense. She's in shock. Put it all behind you. Go to bed and act like nothing happened. And then she tells Jonah and Lucas like, "Hey, grab as much blood as you can from this bow dung, and let's just throw her out." <laughs> let's put her in the bathtub yeah and they do so the next day it's another party things are popping off this looks way more 20s everyone has their rompers on and they're going wild they're wearing headbands mm-hmm. people are dancing Got there's feathers. one lady with a big yellow feathery hat it's crazy they crazy times dancers they have music jazz music as I like to call Disney jazz music. Mm-hmm. I might be wrong in that, but the bassoonist was jamming the fuck out. Uh, we are in no way slandering Disney and the corporations that fall under Disney because we are one of them. It is wonderful music. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Yes. Very separate from all the occult stuff of Breath of Fresh Air. Disney's so great. Yes. All hail Disney. Mm-hmm. Our overlords. Yes, as we review this Netflix show. Mm-hmm. What if one of the <laughs> what if one of those ghost pictures had like Mickey Mouse in the background? <laughs> it was like a hidden Mickey. Like instead of Kellogg, you just see Mickey. Yeah, you just see a hidden Mickey symbol. Yeah. <laughs> Terrifying. He's, It'd be worse. He's with us. <laughs> oh boy! Everywhere we go. <laughs> that scene where. Where Kellogg was trying to come out of the TV screen. It's just Mickey. 
Dan will seem like a real crazy person after that. He'll be like, oh my god, I swear to god, Mickey was coming out of all corners. M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-E. Mickey's house as he's fucking coming out. That's what everybody's mm-hmm. humming. Just that fucking tune. <laughs> house, the Mickey's Playhouse. The song, the Mickey's Playhouse. <laughs> like, as they're fucking, they're tuning the fork. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Oh gosh. What even happens now? All right. Um <laughs> Jazz Party. Everybody's going around. Um Rose is in her room. Mm-hmm. Iris goes to get her, but she finds Rose on her knees with a book in front of her praying to a god. Mm-hmm. To which Iris is like, What are you doing? And she's like, Oh no, I just I'm gonna get ready right now. And then she's like, No. Why are you praying to a false god? And then Rose is like, ah, just in case we need protection tonight. Oh boy. <laughs> Iris is like, I can't imagine why you'd need protection. I have nothing nefarious <laughs> planned at all. Put on this dress and let's go to the mm-hmm. party. And it's a mm-hmm. nice dress too, a nice pink dress. I like that dress. Make sure that it's really the neck is really low cut, please. Yeah, okay. V-neck. Thank you. Yeah, just like mm-hmm. No, it's okay. You need that neck really exposed. No reasons. Come on. So the dress is nice. Um, She shows her the box. And she also shows her the necklace made of Kelloggnite. (laughs) The meteorite that fell to Earth. And she's gifting it to Rose. And Rose is like, you can't give me this. This is rich people stuff. I can't afford to keep this. I can't take this and... Iris is like, it's fine. I'll get it back later. So Rose puts on the necklace. She keeps the music box and she has the nice dress on. And they enter the high society party and everything's going crazy. We see a few more scenes of them dancing. Everyone's having fun. Rose is having a nice la- like last night on Earth. Presumably, <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen. Here. Yeah, we just... We don't know what, what what's going to happen. We know the... You know what? We know the mansion burns down tonight. Yeah, some bad's going to happen. But before the bad stuff happens, everyone's partying. There is a telescope section at this rich people party. Maybe that was commonplace. I don't know. But there's a telescope pointing right toward the comet that's passing by Earth. And Rose gets to see it. And given that she learned about comics, like comets last week, and now she gets to see one, it's a pretty cool experience for her. Yeah, and the comments just going by, flicking everybody off. Mm-hmm. I was like, just I feel creating good. big beams of light. And she and Rose is looking at it, and she's like, why is it getting bigger? And the comet gets closer and closer and kills them all. Oh, just no. Kidding. Um, It's at this point we see Lucas kind of just getting out of there. Mm-hmm. He's huffing and puffing. Yeah. And um, Iris follows him, and she's like, hey, now we're outside. She's like, where are you going? And he's like, I may not stop you from having this party, but I don't have to be here. Like, eh, okay. <laughs> it's a strange time to have a crisis of conscience. Um, you were one of the people that helped Clean save up the-, the blood of somebody. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I did. I, he's like, I did my part. I'm not gonna stay here for this shit. I'm gone. Um, mm-hmm. I want some plausible deniability and. In- in the other world <laughs> so he he just i love this scene 
because it it really um it was a truth bomb this luke uh yeah lucas was just laying into iris with some truth first of all he says like it sounds like he believes what's gonna happen and he's like you're gonna kill people everybody here is gonna die because they think it's a party and all for what so you can have a child and then she's like, no, 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 no. This this was for our father. Our father, father wanted this. He wanted, and he was like, no, our father is dead. And he might as well have said, like, our father's dead. Your husband's dead. Everybody we care about is dead. Uh, war, poverty, these are things that uh, the human race has to deal with. And the human race has to deal with it learn from it and and figure it out themselves we can't call this pirate group being who promise promises to give us what we want we can't do that and pretty much they agree to disagree and lucas leaves lucas gets out yeah rose is like is everything okay iris and iris is like yeah it's fine good riddance let's go back (laughs) to the party so iris Goes back and gives a nice little toast. Yeah, but before we go on, I just mm-hmm. wanted to make known we have a Voss that left. Yeah, that's important. so there. There is a way for the gene pool to keep going. Yeah, but yeah, probably related to Virgil and Sam. Yeah, at this point, right? Mm-hmm. So, the... Iris goes back to the yeah. party. She gives a toast. And they start playing the jazzy remix of the tune, the old folk song that we were listening to earlier in the music box. (laughs) And it's banging. I mean, it's going crazy. It sounds much better with a jazz band, as do most things. (laughs) So music's playing. Iris starts to gather a few select members of the party as everyone else is just going crazy. And they're going downstairs into the basement. Mm Mm-hmm. And as they're walking down, this basement looks awfully familiar. It looks identical to the room that Dan found and the room underneath the visor. Yeah, it's it's a popping place. You have to be there. So they walk downstairs. Um, Jonah is like, Iris, where's my big bro, Lucas? Um, I could really use some emotional support right now. (laughs) <laughs> kind of freaking out and iris is like who don't worry about it he's gone <laughs> and then jonah has to be like he's gone okay well that could mean a million things did you kill him <laughs> did he leave like i really don't know he's just dwelling on that and iris leaves it yeah. doesn't tell him anything and everybody's so, gathered around in a circle she's mm-hmm. there she's at the book she starts chanting her chants praying her prayers saying all the things that the statue wants to hear this otherworldly demon wants to hear Mm -hmm. and it's at this point she calls for the blood of who we can only assume of the baldung the witch the Mm -hmm. yeah and she gets it and she pours it over the statue and you have to watch it the way the blood pours just everything it's designed to fill all the crevices of this statue with you know bright crimson 
blood in every single crevice yeah. as it goes down. And it's terrifying. And the scene looks really familiar because it's the identical scene to the circle footage that we saw in the various other episodes. Yeah. This is where it originated. And the snuff this is film. The snuff film. The snuff film that that um Sam showed Melody. Yeah. So so this is the origin. Mm. And in her secret language, she's calling to the great lord Cthulhu, Kellogg, <laughs> whatever you want to call him. And yeah. she starts to ring the tuning fork of destiny and they get the right <laughs> vibrations going. Everyone finds their pitch and starts doing the humming and they go, mm-hmm, doing all the same shit. And they put on their masks, the court mm-hmm. of and mask. then, And the, what's his name? Jonah? Yeah. yeah, Jonah. Jonah starts filming and we get like double confirmation that this is the footage from the snuff film. Yeah. And to top it all off, everybody is wearing a mask except Iris and the lovely Rose. Everyone's wearing a creepy Court of Owls mask that's even creepier by having an evil satanic pendant thing carved into it in red. And Iris is finishing up the prayer. Mm -hmm. She brings Rose closer. She puts her hand on her puts her hand on her heart keeps going with the prayer and it's like i feel like in the prayer it's just like and we give you this one girl that i'm about to slit the throat of Mm -hmm. but and rose Rose is just listening to it and she's like like, pretty wow that was nice what are you saying and then iris does what iris does she grabs a knife from underneath the book slits rose throat Rose is surprised and not surprised at the same time. That was her expression. Yeah. She's like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm fine with this. Yeah. Like, I figured it was going to happen sooner or later. She dies. Rose is dead. That was the sacrifice. The blood is poured. And we get a light emitting from the sky. And it's surrounding everybody. And it's specifically going around Iris. Iris. It looks like, you know, like those scenes where a UFO beams you up into outer space. It looks like that type of light. Yeah. Unnatural. And it's like foggy and and it's spiraling around there. Cool. And then the film ends and we see (laughs) the audience, Dan and Mark, just sitting there with their jaws dropped. Mark kind of like, like, wow, I can't believe they got that footage of all those intimate moments in the bedroom (laughs) and like that footage of the lady getting shot. I didn't even see anyone doing the camera. I can't believe it. (laughs) So this is me suspending belief, but William Crest did his research. He did, uh, took a lot of notes, uh, probably got some journals, probably got some stuff, probably did what what happened. Yeah. And probably did what Virgil did. And then they read it and that's how they were put, put everything together. Let's go with that. It, (laughs) It's just nicer. Makes sense. So Mark is like, so the Voss mansion burned down after this was filmed, but somehow the film survived. And the Vizzer also burned down mm-hmm. and mysteriously had some film survive the burning. Yeah. Was anything like this on the tapes for Melody, Mark asked. And Dan's like, no. I mean, there was creepy shit on there, obviously, but we didn't get this whole occult thing. We didn't get the circle on it. 
Yeah, he's like, um, my dad. The story just kind of ended when she got sent to Rockland. With my dad, like, by my dad. Yeah. And then Mark is like, all right, well, you got the money. Cool. Let's get the fuck out of here. Go somewhere else. and Let's burn this shit because it's cursed, buddy. Yeah. Dan's not having it. He's the main character. And it, c- it could have ended. This could have been episode se- seven season finale, you know, mm-hmm. but no. But we have a difference here in belief. Mm-hmm. Mark is like, I don't truly believe this. I just think this is bad juju yeah. and I don't want to be a part of it. And I think you should be out of it too. Cause we got everything positive that we can get out of this experience. Yeah. And Dan's like, well, no, cause I do believe this. And if we don't find, if we don't get to the bottom of this, hell could be unleashed on earth. Cause I truly believe it's going to happen. Uh, like, I get why Dan can't <laughs> let this go. Cause he, he thinks that he knows there's a demon coming. Yes. He, and more importantly for the personal reasons, he needs to know, like he's hundred percent. This is connected to his dad, and we still don't know the full connection. But Steve Turner, Doctor Steve Turner, gave Samuel to uh, gave Melody to Samuel. Right? Mm-hmm. He put that together. Cool. And the least you can do is make her death mean something by stopping whatever is going to happen. I like that Mark said the line very specifically. Anything we do, anything we find out, it's not going to bring Melody back. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was funny. Yeah. Because maybe he can. <laughs> so, Mark, instead of trying to talk Dan down from this ledge, was like, hey, you jump, I jump. Mm-hmm. So, so, we looked up all the names, and Dan is like, what about Annabelle? And he's like, you got a last name? And luckily he did. Mm-hmm. Her name's Annabelle Cho. Yeah. Presumably off screen they did some research and they found out that annabelle cho was still at the rockland mental facility yeah she never left nope so she's not the groundskeeper like we thought even though i have a new idea on who that groundskeeper is <laughs> might as well right <laughs> i have a, I have a great theory that's going to be true i hope so and i know it um but i'll tell you at the end yeah so they go they visit her they go all the way up they knock on the door and the door opens. Annabelle looking fine for somebody who's 50, 50 right now. Yes, she is 50. She's looking like she's been in a mental institution for, for several years, for two decades. But, like, she got some sun. <laughs> I mean, I'm not insinuating that you can't look good at 50. I'm just saying she looks too good for 50. I mean, <laughs> she looks like herself at 25 with a wig. Yeah, and she is just like, Dan? And he's like, do you know me? And then she's like, yeah, I've been waiting for you. What the fuck took you so long? Ooh. And then they walk in. And we see some paintings. We see um, a stand to put a... Um, not a frame. An easel. Yeah, yeah, an easel. To put your paintings on so you can paint your canvas. Thank you. Fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... So she's still painting, but we see some nice paintings around. So it's like, okay, she's not totally crazy. But then we see Dan widen his eyes as he looks at the direction Annabelle is standing in. And we just see a wall full of sketches, paintings, whatever you want to call of the face of Melody. And Is it made with charcoal or is it made with 
fungus. Maybe a mold. I don't know. But the question was asked if they know where she is, and she was like, yeah, she's in the other world. And, and you have to get her out. You have to get her out. And, and the episode kills you by ending it. Yes. Yes. <sighs> I can't wait to watch the last episode. I, I can and I can't wait because like, I'll be sad when it's over. But I need to see what happens. So that means that we can juxtapose Rose with Jess, correct? Yeah. Because they were both fed the same line. Mm-hmm. We can assume that um, her throat was slit. Mm-hmm. I don't know because Mel- Melody's in the other world, just like Iris was. That was that was the key thing, just like Iris was. Iris was in the other side, and now she's now she's not. Melody took her place. So, what the hell happened that night? I know what happened. Um. On that night where Melody entered the other world, mm-hmm. Iris was able to get out. Mm-hmm. So Iris got out. Melody had to get sacrificed and sent in. I don't know why Kellogg was like not freed at that point. The myth that he's based on says that he's basically just a ferryman who carries dead people from point A to point B. So maybe that's not even his goal. He just has the ability to take people to the land of the dead and take them back to the land of the living. So maybe that's all he ever wants to do. Mm. So he took Iris back in the 20s, and then he delivered Iris back in the 90s and took Melody instead. And then I think Iris went on and continued aging and living her life Mm. with Mr. Davenport because she's like one of the only survivors from that event where her Samuel presumably dies. And I think she went on to become the groundskeeper because her facial structure and the groundskeeper's facial structure are very similar. Nice. They look very similar. I'm pretty sure groundskeeper is Iris. Nice. And she wants to go back and they want to bring Melody to the other side. Yes. Which she means, wants to go back. Which means they have to perform the ritual. Which means they mm-hmm. need a sacrifice. They do. Who are they going to sacrifice? <sighs> Sounds like Annabelle. Annabelle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would think so. Which sucks for Melody, right? <laughs> yeah, oh, thanks for bringing me back. Killed Annabelle. <laughs> By the way. <laughs> but maybe if they just wait a long run like wait around long enough um Virgil looks like he's going to do it anyway like he's going to do the sacrifice something's something's off about it too like um it's weird to me that they did this whole ritual in the 90s cuz it wasn't like 70 years later or was it it was yeah. but like they can't now. do it now they can't because do it now you're right is not 70 years from the 90s. So I don't know how it's going to work. Like, she's yeah. stuck there until 20-whatever. Yeah, I don't know what... Damn, what's the fucking plan, then? 
I don't know. That that part eludes me. I all I had was that Iris is groundskeeper lady. And you know, if they wanted to learn how to do the ritual, yeah, right, yeah. Because if they have Iris, they don't need to learn how to do the ritual, so nope. they don't care about the the snuff film. Oh, so you're correct. They have Iris. They don't need that. So then, why do they need everything else? Why not just do it? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Maybe Davenport truly wanted to see what happened to Melody. I don't know. He wanted to fact check. Yeah, and they needed blood. So my thing is, if if we're going with Virgil's evil, right? Because there's mm-hmm. a, we can come up with a case right now. That he uses ancestry company to look for Baldone, right? Mm-hmm. The 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 blood in the the freezer in the in the campus is probably the blood of the Baldone in there. So they can perform Ooh. the ritual. That's um, good. Let's see. Uh, something else, man. Like, you know, like if, but he wasn't there. Well, we don't know if he was there for the rituals. And it it'll be interesting if we look back at the the cult meeting, the first time Annabelle, not Annabelle, uh, Melody witness them praying to the um, the statue if Davenport was there like just I don't know we didn't know his name so yeah or his face yeah the Virgil Virgil was there uh what else um you mentioned something earlier um we weren't recording about Patricia um being the one to send Virgil or no, Beatrice. Beatrice yeah, being the one to send Virgil. Mm-hmm. And how Beatrice was the name of the psychic lady. Yeah, that was in the Divine Comedy. Beatrice is the one who um, who sends Virgil to 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 give Dante the, the quest. Not the quest, but the, to guide Dante through the circles of hell, right? And So, presumably... Yeah. In the next episode, in the finale, we're going to see a scene where Davenport, Virgil, visits um, an elderly Beatrice, Mm -hmm. uh, Beatrice, who's probably blind. And he gets this clandestine mission to seek out these tapes (laughs) and restore them and start this whole cult business. Yeah, I mean, that's not for me, that's the argument that Virgil's not evil. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's just following orders. He, yeah, LMG started by he's Beatrice. <laughs> she inherited <laughs> everything from Cassandra and just started her own business. Uh, I think she sowed the seeds in his mind that doing this will give him closure on his brother. So he doesn't necessarily want the cult stuff to work out. He's just trying to look out and find what happened to his brother. Yeah. So let's let's do this deep dive because we could easily you know wait till the next episode to find the answer but mm-hmm. <clears throat> they the the idea was to perform the ritual and then on the the, the the night of the comet and bring it over and bring the demon over to the other side right they performed the ritual but what happened Iris instead went to the other side. Did did this dude cross over into Rose's body? Is that what's going on? 
maybe. I don't know. And everybody's Iris been saying, couldn't come back because she didn't have money to pay the ferryman. <laughs> Iris, uh, everybody's been saying the woman in the drawings who we've now confirmed is Iris has been begging to to leave. Like, let me out, let me out. She wouldn't want to go back. Yeah. Um, it would make sense why she's so scarred too. Like she doesn't say anything. My, my, my question is, did it work? Did this dude cross to the other side? Hmm. If he did, then you know. But then, isn't the world over? So why why what happened? I mean, the craziest thing I can come up with, right? Is that he crossed over because we can't because we can't uh, take away Eleanor. Eleanor is also part of this. She's the one who brought it to the visitor. Yeah. You know, and then she also accidentally killed herself or whatever. She goes suicide, right? She drowned by accident, they say. And that mm-hmm. was so Eleanor is definitely a descendant of the brother that got away, Lucas. Yeah, that that's would what makes I sense. I think Eleanor is like his daughter. Or his granddaughter. Okay. Um, and then she—that's how she's involved. And she kept painting all those paintings of uh, of Iris, right? Because she was also she doing doing it. And her family wasn't like accepting of her because Lucas was like, "No, stop messing around with that shit, that occult stuff." Don't draw your crazy Iris aunt lady that destroyed our home. Um, and that's what kind of put her at odds with her family. Because Eleanor was not good with her family. So maybe she wasn't good with her family because she was researching this occult stuff. And Lucas has already seen what that stuff can do to you. Hmm. That's why he clashed with her. We thought it was because she was living a different lifestyle and he wanted her to live. But it was because she was going toward the occult. Yeah, so maybe that's a good one. My mm-hmm. my my big question is, what what did the, the ritual actually do, other than send Iris to the other side? That's my question. Like, we, there has to be more to that, unless she did the ritual wrong. I don't know. All this and more will be answered in the final episode. Yes. Why? Why do the ritual? Is the demon getting out, or is he? Um. Is the groundskeeper truly Iris? Probably. Um, is Eleanor a descendant of the Voss family? How is Dan's dad truly involved? Why did the house burn down? Why did his dad's house burn down? Mm-hmm. All of these things I need answers for in the next Me too. finale. Well, with all that being said, any last words, Jumbie? Don't forget to pay the ferryman. <laughs> awesome. And that concludes another episode of Phantoms of the Silver Screen. If you enjoyed this episode, please check out any other content we have may provided. We may have provided. I keep fucking that up, don't I? Mm. But don't let that stop you from checking out our other content. Uh, if you liked what you heard, if you please also Give us a rating, a follow, subscribe, whatever we have out there. And 
you know what? We love you. And we always want you to know that we love you. Yeah. And with that, we bid you adieu. Love. Thank you.